Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today, somebody from outside of the space, C. Bradley Thompson, who writes a lot about education. I have been overwhelmed uh, in a good way, in a positive way, by the amount of feedback that I get about these interviews that I put out there with people from the alternative education space, shall we call it that, which is kind of a misnomer. Uh, you know my, my views on this. Uh, school is the alternative education. There's nothing natural about it. And Bradley here will go into that in, in further detail. So if you're still on the fence about looking into the rabbit hole of state education and the idea of separating education from state, hopefully Bradley will be able to shine a little light on it for you. I hope you enjoy the episode and please reach out to Bradley if you like what he has to say or DM me anytime about this topic as well. Uh, before we get into it, the concert, sorry, the conference is almost upon us. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, plebs and plebettes, the time is nigh. People are FOMOing in. If that is one of you, then go check out the link in the show notes or just use the code bitten at checkout to get yourself 10% off please check or make the necessary arrangements bitcoiners are very uh, resourceful people to get there if your current medical situation does not allow um, that's all i'll say about that i hope i hope everybody has an amazing time i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there's going to be some huge announcements you know the cast of characters by now I really, um, I'm so bullish on, on this event and I think there's going to be uh, amazing talking points coming from this after. So yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well. Keep your eyes and ears open. Also, these show sponsors, they're all going to be there as far as I am aware. Swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. If you're not stacking with Swan, you should be, especially if you live in the US. That link will get you a free $10. Across Europe, we have the equivalent kind of app, Relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch, that uh, will get you uh, stacking away, dollar cost averaging, euro cost averaging. And uh, of course, Coin Corner can also help you with that. Set up their auto buy function on their exchange. Go check out Danny and the team. Make sure you are taking control of these coins. Shift Crypto are going to be at the conference. Go see their piece of kit. Definitely give them a little bit of love and attention because they're doing some great work. They have got a great Bitcoin hardware wallet. It's Bitcoin only. And they're more than happy to educate anybody that comes and shows interest in uh, either diversifying their hardware wallet or getting their first one. It's very, very important, as you know. Uh, Bitcoinday.io. Go check them out. Use the code OB for 10% off. They're going to be touring around the states, small venues. It's going to be awesome. And Bitcoin Reserve as well are going to be walking around. BitcoinReserve.com. Say hi to the guys. 
They're going to help you stack large in Europe. Enjoy this one with Bradley. All right, we are recording and we are with C. Bradley Thompson. Nice to meet you, Brad. How are you doing? Hey, Daniel, I'm fine. Nice nice to be with you and your daughter. So we're going to hand it straight over to Lauren because... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so my question is uh, what... Sorry, I'm rethinking this. Why do you like homeschooling? Well, that's a great question. And that may be the very best question. Um, no offense to your dad that I'll get all day. Um, so um, homeschooling is probably the single best decision I ever made in my life, along with my wife. Um, we decided in the late 1990s to homeschool our three children. Um, and at that time, homeschooling uh, was just starting to emerge. There had been a, there had been homeschooling families, you know, a few in the 70s and 80s. Um, and it started to pick up in the 90s. And so when we started, my wife and I started homeschooling in 1999. And we were just on the cusp between sort of what we might call homeschooling 1.0 and homeschooling 2.0. And homeschooling 1.0 um, was largely um, evangelical Christian families uh, who mostly just wanted to get their kids away from the corruption of the government schools in general and and the, and um, society uh, uh, in particular. So, um, but then after we started homeschooling in 1999, within just a couple of years, we started to notice a real shift in homeschooling. Um, and that that shift broadened significantly, sort of the social profile of homeschoolers expanded greatly in the early 2000s. So now all of a sudden you start having all kinds of um, uh, economic, uh, social, cultural, religious, um, ethnic groups homeschooling that you didn't have before in the 1990s. And, and that was all, that was wonderful. But specifically you asked the question, why, why do I like homeschooling so much? Um, well, first, it allows, most importantly, it allows parents, uh, it affirms the right of parents to educate their children in the way that they think is best for their children. And I think that is a fundamental human right that parents ought to have and that should be respected by uh, society in general and the government in particular. Um, for my wife and I, we wanted our children to have a certain kind of education, what you might call a classical education, the same kind of education that, for instance, America's founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams might have had. And we just couldn't get that anywhere close to where we lived. Uh, but it was really important to us that our kids have that kind of an education. So that was reason number one. And then reason number two that I like homeschooling so much is... Uh, and this is in response to the question that I'm sure your parents get all the time, which is, what about the socialization, right, of, of homeschoolers? A question that one most often gets from one's own um, parents. Um, and, and, and for us, that became a second reason, um, because we realized that the government schools um, were not only miseducating 
uh, our kids, but not uh, children, America's children, the world's children, were not only miseducating them, but they were mis-socializing them. And, and then I realized, I mean, whoever said socialization, whatever that is, is a good thing to begin with. I mean, I, I don't even know what that means. And if your definition of socialization is bullying, for instance, then who, you know, why is it, why do we consider that to be a virtue? And then it also became clear to us that the children of all the homeschool families that we knew were actually better socialized um, than, than kids who were in the local government or private schools. And then finally, the third reason I would say that I, that I love homeschooling so much is that for the Thompson family, it just simply became a beautiful way of life. And in the end, that was maybe the most important thing. I mean, we were a real family. My, my, my three children now are grown and they're in their 20s, but there was nothing for me more beautiful in the whole world than to come out of my office at home, and I, I'm, I'm fortunate and I can work from home in the mornings. I would come out and there is my wife circling the kitchen table uh, with our three kids, you know, sitting there doing their work. And it just seemed to me, I mean, what could be better in life than that? And so I would say, Lauren, those are the three reasons um, why homeschooling means so much to me and why I love it. And it's it's one of only a, a, a handful of things that I would in a heartbeat, other than my family, die for. I mean, you know, people talk all the time, you know, that they would give up their lives for their country or whatever. Homeschooling is, is homeschooling is the one is one thing for sure. The most important thing that I would go to jail for in order to protect the right, not only of my wife and I to homeschool our children, but the right of all people to homeschool their children. I think it's a crucial, crucial issue. Good answer. Yeah, but I just want to say something. Yeah, don't go to jail, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> we need you on the outside. So uh, when they say, oh, your kids won't get um, that much socialization, and we would, because if there's another family homeschooling, then won't we just like meet her, I don't know, once like a week or something? Yeah, well, that's what like, we do. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do that. Mm -hmm. I, like, I, I, um, plus, I go on a school on, online, so I kind of so, so socialize. I mean, I speak. Uh, yeah. You don't stop talking all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're not allowed to do that at school, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, exactly. Yeah. At, at school, you're not allowed to talk. That's yeah. <laughs> that's right. So how can socialization be forcing kids uh, in schools that look like prisons not to be able to speak? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then I would also say that homeschooling. So what, what we'll call homeschooling 3.0 now has grown so massively in the last decade that um, newsflash we're here, we're everywhere, and we're not going away. The fact of the matter is, in the United States, for instance, there are homeschoolers in every, not only every city um, uh, in America, in every small town in America, there are homeschool, we are everywhere. And the fact of the matter is homeschooling has grown so fast um, in the last decade that there are so many homeschoolers now that they have homeschool associations. And, and homeschool um, homeschool schools. And they have 
they, they have sporting teams, for instance. Um, a number of years ago, I coached the local homeschool soccer team, which, by the way, I'm very proud to say went 11 and 2 against the government schools. Well done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, our local homeschool association actually now fields a football team. Right, which requires you know twenty to thirty at minimum twenty to thirty kids, um, and then there are proms. There are homeschool. If you live in certain areas, they have homeschool proms, and of course, homeschool parents are uniquely, I, particularly good at getting their kids involved in all kinds of organizations, um, and you know, socialization comes in many forms. It's not just socializing with kids in your own grade at school. Socialization also involves dealing with younger kids, older kids, adults. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something that homeschooling does um, better than any other form of education. The way I tried to shoot it down, that the socialization FUD uh, for people, because like you say, it's the first thing people um, ask you or accuse you of. Uh, being an irresponsible parent and your kids are never be able to socialize uh, is uh, it's not socializing at school. It's forced association is the only way that you could ever really, you know, boil it down to two words, what's going on in those institutions. Yeah. And what does forced association always lead to? It leads to dysfunctional association, right? Which, which is why, you know, the, the schools are such a mess. I mean, culturally, morally, the schools are a cesspool, uh, and 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 they are today. Twenty years after, more than twenty years now, after my wife and I started homeschooling, they are considerably worse than they were then. Um, and my wife and I had a conversation about this um, just a couple of days ago. I mean, it would, it would literally be over my dead body that I would send I would send my children to government schools, and certainly in the context of today's world. And, you know, one day, hopefully, um, maybe sooner rather than later, I will be a grandfather. Uh, and if, if for whatever reason, if it requires that my wife and I bear the burden, uh, well, it's not even a burden, it's a joy. If we bear the joy of helping to homeschool our grandchildren, we would do it in a heartbeat. Do you have any further questions? No. Yeah, no. No? Yeah, okay, no. cool. Anyways. Well, do you want to say goodnight? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for answering. Bye. Yeah, thank you for such great questions. No problem. Bye. Bye. Yeah, so, yeah, let's get into it because uh, clearly uh, we, we, we share the same passion about this. Uh, and it's, well, like, like you, I just want to wake as many people up as I can to the fact that they have options. I mean, I know it's different in different countries around the world and listeners um, might be tuning in from, from such companies, uh, companies, countries, may as well be companies, such as uh, Germany or the Netherlands here in Europe where it, it's outlawed and it, it still blows my mind that in Germany, for example, Homeschooling was outlawed by Hitler in 1938 and has never been reinstated. Like this absolutely blows my mind. Not like is no one asking a question about that? Uh, and for whatever reason, why was that put in place? And uh, the 
that the, until that point I've been learning about, until that point, homeschooling was widely practiced throughout Germany, especially amongst those families that would be classed uh, of not, not elite, but of perhaps higher standing, upper class sort of thing. And then right. bam, shut down. And you know why it would be shut down because everybody had to be the same and it could have also you know, been part of the bigger plan, the final solution and whatever else. This is just creepy shit. Uh, like, yeah, and I know in your writing, you've done lots of lots of digging into the history. So why don't we why don't we take a little journey through there? What? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you just riff on it, uh, and we can then once you've finished, <laughs> I can go back to some of these parts, and we can take uh, perhaps a little closer look at some of the things that you say. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, I think the first question on the table has to be: um, When did government schooling start? And the fact of the matter is most people in the United States, for instance, and the same is I'm sure true uh, in, in Europe and in many places around the world, uh, certainly in the Anglosphere, most people mistakenly think that government schooling, or at least in the American context, that government schooling is as American as apple pie, that government schooling has always existed. And the fact of the matter is that is simply not true. In fact, there is a longer period of time in American history without government schooling than there has been with government schooling. So uh, up until, I mean, really up until the end of the 19th century in the United States, most education, most um, uh, schooling was done privately, right? So um, the government school system was first introduced into, into the United States in the state of Massachusetts in 1852, but it was only just in that one state. Um, and the, the explicit model that was used by Horace Mann, who was the founder of the government school system, first in Massachusetts and then countrywide, um, was the Prussian model, right? So um, uh, th this is the, the Prussian model of education that was first outlined earlier in the 19th century by the German philosopher Johann Fichte. And the idea here was to, and this is really important to know, the idea was to disconnect children from their parents. I mean, that is the explicit underlying sort of unknown goal of government schooling. It, it was stated explicitly by Fichte, and then it was stated explicitly by the early 19th century proponents of government schooling. The idea is, and, and by the way, I mean, some of, not all of, but some of early of the earliest proponents for government schooling were in fact, you know, not left-wing progressives, but conservative reactionaries. Um, who were reacting against the, 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 French, the French Revolution. And the idea was to unify, the idea here is to unify the nation. So what they're doing is they're taking the nation or the nation state. And oftentimes um, what that often inc includes or means is the, the dominant ethnicity or race of a nation. The, the idea here is to, is to in a post-French revolutionary world is, is to unify the nation around a common ideal. 
um, and to make the individual subservient to the state. And that was just, that was stated repeatedly by, by the earliest uh, proponents, including the earliest proponents in the, in the United States of America. Now, they, some of them, as I said, were what we would call conservative or reactionary defenders of the nation state. Uh, but very quickly, that idea was hijacked by the emerging socialist movement. And they basically just took all of the, you know, they were still proponents of the state. The only thing that differed was the nature of the collective, right? And so rather than the collective being, uh, let's say, a, a racial category, it became a class category. So why, why, what was the original purpose of government schooling in the United States above and beyond disassociating children from their parents? It was to make, at the time in the United States, there were waves of immigrants coming to the United States, particularly Irish Catholics. And so the idea here was to turn these Irish Catholics into, quote unquote, good Americans. Um, and so um, they, they were required to use the King James Bible uh, and all religious education in the government schools was done from a Protestant perspective. So in other words, it was to make it was to make Irish Catholics into good American Protestants, right? So in other words, the point being is that this is not, this, this is not education for education's sake. This is not education to learn uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic primarily. The goal is to impart certain values into, into the minds of children. And those values often, right, are values that are different from those of parents, right? So I, I would say that that is the single most important thing for your listeners to understand, which is the purpose of government schooling is to disconnect children from their parents so that the state and whoever controls the state, whether it's, whether it's reactionary conservatives or whether it's, it's Marxists, the purpose is to dis disassociate parents uh, and, and, and children and to force feed them that force feed them education that is by the state for the state, right? That's, I would say that's at the highest level of abstraction, that's the most important thing to understand, right? And then of course, then the issue is, well, all right, so what's gonna be taught in the government schools? And what's gonna be taught in the government schools is always determined by those who hold power. And in the context uh, of a democratic republic, um, it, that means majority rule, right? So if the majority is white, Protestant, um, uh, conservative, uh, and, you know, and this is true today, right? So in, in Kansas, right, let, let's say in the state of Kansas, the majority of people might be uh, white evangelical conservatives, they will determine what will be taught in the government schools, which might include, for instance, uh, creationism, or alternatively in Massachusetts today, uh, where, the, where the majority would be uh, secular progressive liberals, uh, and where, where, let's say, conservatives are in the minority, the, the, the secular liberals will determine what is being taught in the classroom. So rather than kids learning uh, creationism as they do in Kansas, 
in Massachusetts, they'll learn um, uh, evolution, theories of evolution, uh, or they'll learn, they'll be, you know, conservative parents will be forced to have their children read Heather Has Two Mommies in kindergarten, right? Uh, and, and secular liberals who live in Kansas will be forced to have their children read scripture. And the point is, is that whoever is in control of the state, that is to say, who, whomever is the majority, will over time dictate what everyone in the state will learn, thereby taking away the rights of first minorities, um, uh, political minorities, and then, but most fundamentally, individuals. Right, so that's that's kind of, that's sort of how and why government schooling arose. And then in the, in the, and then slowly over time between 1852, and it really didn't pick up until after the Civil War. Um, uh, then there was just this sort of steady movement uh, of every state in the union to move toward uh, compulsory government schooling. And the final state, I think, to accept uh, comp uh, compulsory government schooling was Mississippi in, I think, around 1918. You know, so, you know, we're talking about, we're, we're talking about sort of after the Civil War, we're talking about a, almost a 60-year period. So it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, you know, it took 40 or 50 years of uh, uh, for government schooling to be introduced. So the point being, right, is that government schooling in the long durée of American history, if you, if you consider American history to begin with Jamestown and, and, uh, and um, the, the settlement of the Massachusetts Bay Colony in the 17th century, right? I mean, you have 250 years approximately of education in America, not yet quite the, the United States of America necessarily, but you have education being, well, we'll just call it private, private education. And certainly up through the, um, up through 1850, 52, when government schooling was introduced, 98% of all children uh, reached um, relatively high levels of literacy, right? That number actually has gone down over the course of the last 120 years with free compulsory government schooling. So um, the, the, the fact of the matter is government schooling is a relatively recent phenomenon in American history. And then certainly I would say in the 20th century, it has been completely, um, it's been completely dominated by the left and really by the hard left. Um, so in the late 1920s and I think around 1928, uh, the most, important, influential, famous, progressive educator was a, the philosopher, the famous American philosopher, John Dewey. And Dewey uh, took a, a group of his fellow progressives with him over to the Soviet Union in 1928, where they observed um, uh, uh, Soviet education. Uh, and they came back uh, lauding Soviet education and thinking this is the model for America and, and the future. And, and really, um, I would say from that point forward, you know, and, and ideas have consequences, but ideas, you know, it, it often it, it takes decades for ideas to percolate down and through a culture. 
And that's what we're seeing in the United States, right? Right, uh, right now. I mean, it's taken a, about a hundred years for those ideas to fully percolate all the way through the school system. And, 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 and so now what we have is what I call the education deep state. And the education deep state consists of the Federal Department of Education, the 50 state departments of education, the teachers unions, the so-called ed schools or teacher training schools, the curriculum developers, um, the textbook publishers, and even um, your European uh, audience may not know uh, about this, the SAT tests, which are the college entrance uh, tests run by some, an organization called the College Board. And they are completely, the College Board is completely woke. Um, and so therefore you, ha you, you have all of these different um, organizations and, and, and governmental organizations that are all working together to create a monolithic, monopolistic, not just when I say monopolistic education system, I don't mean that simply or solely with regard to um, government-sponsored compulsory education, I'm, that is, I don't mean it entirely politically. I also mean mean it intellectually, right? There is an intellectual monopolization of ideas uh, by this what I'm calling the education deep state, um, and it, it completely dominates. Um, America's government schools, and which is why, by the way, and I, I want to make this point very clear to, to you and to your audience, and that is, again, speaking only in the context of the United States, the government schools cannot be reformed, period. I'll say it again. The government schools cannot be reformed. And any conservative or Republican politician who thinks he can reform the government schools is on a fool's errand. It is impossible. The deep state, the education deep state will not permit it, right? And so in the United States right now, for instance, um, there, are, there are battles in, in the various states um, over the teaching of critical race theory in the schools and uh, what I call critical gender theory uh, as well. And so what's happening now is you're having all of these state legislatures um, banning critical race theory or critical gender theory, right? And, and, and the result of that is that, you know, they dust off their hands, they pat themselves on the back, and then, then they go back to sleep. In the end though, having accomplished nothing because the education deep state, you can pass laws until you're blue in the face. The education deep state will not stop doing what it wants to do, which is to teach critical race theory and critical gender theory. And, and we've seen this in the United States. I mean, ever, since these laws have been passed in all of these states, all of the, 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 the you know, teachers, teachers unions have come out and, and said, we don't care. We're still gonna teach what we're gonna teach or they just go underground and they just call it something else, right? So it can't be, this cannot be undone and it's only gonna get worse. And so therefore, if it can't be undone and it can only get worse, 
there really is only one option, which is the option that I have become um, a proponent for. Um, I, I run a website called EdWatch Daily, all one word, edwatchdaily.com. And edwatchdaily.com, um, we, we, we blog uh, news stories on education. Um, every day, we put up 10, 15, 20 stories every day with our pithy comments. And the purpose of EdWatch Daily is twofold. First, to shine a very bright light on the moral corruption um, and the intellectual uh, decline of America's schools. But secondly, most importantly, the real purpose of EdWatch Daily is to lead a revolutionary movement of ordinary, everyday Americans to, as and our motto is, hashtag just walk away. Right, and that's what we're about. Right, we're 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 not, you know, um, ours is kind of a silent revolution, and the silent revolution uh, is does not involve armed conflict, of course. Um, it does not in, involve confrontation. It's very simple. Just walk away. But what do you and think? Yeah. Just walk away with your feet. Uh, assert your right of free exit. Walk away. And the great news is it's happening. It's happening. Um, what, what began as a trickle a few years ago is now uh, a torrent of families that are walking away from the government school system. I mean, the government school system, and, and what's ironic is that this has is, this is resulted or come about largely as a consequence of COVID, right? So COVID, you know, was, has been rotten for lots of different reasons. But one of the things, you know, the, the schools, um, they invoked all of these mask mandates, um, if they even had school, but most of them just went into lockdown. And so kids, all education took place online. And as a result, for the first time, maybe ever, parents were able to hear and to see what was being taught in the classrooms. And they were, of course, appalled. They were disgusted. And they didn't want their kids to have this kind of education. And so as a result, millions now of Americans are just walking away and they're putting their kids either in private schools, charter schools, or they're homeschooling. And of course, as you know, I'm sure, homeschooling has exploded in the last two years. So um, that's, that's a right. very, very, that's a, you know, yeah, I've got that's lots, a very I've long lots, answer. I've got yeah. lots to go on here, but I, that just, just on, on that last point, they are afraid, right? The, the incumbent um, state educators, the, the system. I remember it wasn't long after it was becoming apparent that this uptick was taking place. And I can't remember the lady's name, but she was the lady from Harvard that came out, uh, you know, a scathing report against homeschooling and the damage that it does. Oh, and okay. the, uh, the ridiculous claims that kids are uh, abused within the home and they need to be in school so they can be monitored. Like it's just such complete and utter nonsense. And then um, something else happened. Somebody, I saw a clip 
where it must have been mashed up. It was, it would have been mashed up like you know how the WEF do their their clips, and it was just basically a uh, a lady uh, standing outside of a school, a teacher saying along the lines of, "Parents have to understand that children are the state's uh, property, and it's up to the state." to make sure that they get the education that they need. And I sit there horrified and, you know, point number one, it's about, it's an attack on the family. That there's, when, you, when you see that, when you understand that point, you cannot unsee it and there's no going back from that point. Yeah, no, a- absolutely right. Um, and, and we have seen that, I mean, the very point you have just made, we have seen that most clearly, certainly in the United States, uh, just in the last eight months, right? So as a result of, uh, you know, tens of millions of American children uh, attending online school, which I'm sure was for the most part, just a joke, um, and and parents seeing what was going on, uh, the result was that uh, all over the United States at hundreds and hundreds of school board meetings, parents were revolting. They were going to these school board meetings and demanding that the school boards who, who in, in part run or set the policy for the local school district, um, they were calling them to account and demanding change. They didn't want critical race theory or critical gender theory being taught in the schools. And, um, and this, was a, this was like a brush fire all over the United States. And it, it got so bad for the education deep state that they then worked in cahoots with the Biden administration's Department of Justice uh, and Merrick Garland, who is the secretary um, uh, or the, the attorney general for the United States, he issued um, a, a, a statement, a directive calling for the use of the full security state of, of, of America, the full uh, counterterrorism security state of, of America to be used against homeschooling, or not homeschooling, but to be used against parents. And, and, and what, what does that mean? And, and they describe them. I mean, this is literally in the documents. You know, all of you know, these, these, these hundreds, thousands mostly interestingly enough, mothers. I mean, this is the most important social revolution uh, of a, quite a long time, is what's happened to American mothers in this country who have been radicalized uh, by, by what's been going on in the schools and, and by the reaction of the federal government to their protesting at, at these school board meetings. And they were described, these mostly moms, as domestic terrorists, <laughs> literally as domestic terrorists. And, um, uh, and, and so uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, literally called for the use of the full, the full force of the American security state against these quote unquote domestic terrorists. It, it's genuinely horrifying. And, and the question is, well, why? Like, why, why would the government, the federal government, get involved in, edu- in I mean, education in the United States is, is a local, at most it's a state issue, but it's really a local issue. So why is the federal government getting involved? Well, because 
the education deep state has finally realized that, that the, the single greatest threat to their authority is when parents try to reclaim their authority and their rights over their children. And what's been interesting is that um, the, the, the education establishment, um, there, I, and I've been writing about this a fair amount in the last, uh, in the last couple of months, but they have written all kinds of outrageous statements or have said outrageous things, claiming that they are um, at, 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 at worst, they are your child's second parent and have gone even further and said that they really are your children's parents. And if you think about it, right? When you as a parent send your child to a government school, what are you doing? You, you are, the day you pull up when your child turns five to the local government school and walk them into their first ever kindergarten class. And when you walk away you and wave, you literally say goodbye. You say goodbye to that beautiful child that you have educated at home for the last five years and you're turning them over to the government. Because just to repeat, I need to hammer this a hundred times. These are government schools. People should not refer to them as public schools. There's nothing public about them. They are anti-public to the extent that public even means anything. They are properly called government schools. And when you drop your child off in kindergarten, you are turning them over to the government for education by the state for the state. Right. And so not surprisingly, then, right, when the government starts to feel like parents are revolting against this and that parents are reclaiming their rights over their children, uh, they're going to act out because they think that they own your children. And what's, of course, they don't. What's going on here is exactly the same. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on in other countries around the world. Um, but here in France, where, where I'm based at the moment, they're pulling the old trick. Hey, President Macron even came out and said this about nine months ago, I want to say, can't, can't put a date on it, along the lines of, we are, we are going to move to, to ban homeschooling in France because it's breeding Islamic fundamentalism and it's breeding terrorism, the same kind of rubbish that's getting pulled um, over in the States under these emergency laws, which we're all still, you know, exposed to under the, the guise of, you know, it's for your safety. It's unbelievable that what's going on, that this real grab for power because they know what they've done with the mask mandating and with the lockdowns uh, they they know that they've shot themselves in the foot when it comes to this particular subject and one thing as well i want to drive home you know people talk about um the word curriculum that you know and another thing another real thing that pees me off um what makes you think you're smart enough to teach your own kids bradley right you, you get this all the time from parents or what parents say as well is I could never homeschool because I'm not smart enough to teach my own children. Right. Who's put that thought in your mind? 
think yeah. about that, right? You've it's the state education that's made you believe you're not smart enough. You went through this machine. They made you believe that you're not going to be smart enough to educate your own kids when it comes to the point of you having kids. So therefore, vis-a-vis, it's going to be far easier for them just to get that next generation just come filing through the door. And this, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the ironic thing, right, is that it's partly true. It's partly true because after several generations, the government school system has dumbed down uh, the the French populace, the American populace uh, of that. I mean, I, I mean that that that's demonstrably true. However, it is simply not. It, it, look, it doesn't matter whether they think you're you know educated enough or smart enough. The fact is, it's none of their damn business. The fact of the matter is, they're your children, and you get to determine how they are to be educated. That is a fundamental human right, uh, and it should be defended uh, as as such. Um, but look, I, I mean, let, let me say a few things about you know these these claims that are made. Um, you know, why do you think you're smart enough? Um, Okay, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm smart enough to educate my kids. Um, I have an Ivy League PhD. Okay, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I know a few things about this, that, and the other thing. But so what? The fact of the matter is, I know lots of families where the parents don't have PhDs, where the parents don't even have undergraduate college degrees. The parents graduated from high school and they homeschooled their kids. And you know what? Those kids got a fantastic education. They got a better education with quote unquote non-educated parents than they would have had they gone to a government school. Of that fact, I am absolutely certain. Um, I mean, certainly just based on my experience, you know, and Look, the, the, I mean, this is an argument that the, that the education deep state wants to use to prevent people, particularly just ordinary everyday Americans uh, from homeschooling. You know, you don't know enough. That's just, that's, that is, if you don't mind, if you and your audience don't mind me cursing, that's bullshit. Uh, that's, that's high order bullshit. And the fact of the matter is that the single biggest problem or I should say the single greatest challenge with homeschooling today is that there are too many, well, I shouldn't say too many because that's not my call to make, but there are so many phenomenal resources. Homeschooling moms and dads, this was even true of my wife and I, my wife in particular in the early 2000s, there are so many phenomenal resources now available to homeschool families that the biggest, one of the biggest challenges you have is wading through all of it and selecting which one you're gonna use for your own kids. I mean, I remember, you know, in 2000, I I remember my wife like spending hours almost every night trying to sort out which mathematics curriculum she was gonna use for the kids. Was she going to use Kumon? Was she going to use the Singapore method? Was she going, you know, going to use this, that, or the other? And there are so many resources. Look, we live in a world now where some young homeschooled, um, uh, 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 very bright 16-year-old living in a cabin in rural Alaska can get online and take a course, uh, a college-level course in physics taught by the world's leading physicist at MIT. Right. So 
you know, there are just, there are innumerable resources and you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't even have to have a college degree to make, to make sure that your kids get a phenomenal education and better than what's offered in the government school system. You know, and then the other thing is there are now homeschooling, I mentioned this earlier, homeschooling has grown so much, so fast that homeschooling is no longer, particularly for, for kids in high school, homeschooling is almost never, you know, sitting at the kitchen table every day, all day uh, with moms, you know, looking over your shoulder. That's not how it works for high school kids uh, who homeschool. There are homeschool associations, um, homeschool co-ops, homeschool pods, homeschool micro schools. There is tutoring. There is online. I mean, there's just sort of no, uh, and, and of course, lots of kids, certainly in the United States, by the time they're in high school, they're already taking uh, what are called dual credit courses at the local community college. I mean, my kids started taking uh, community college courses when they were in the ninth grade. Um, and so, you know, you can outsource all of this. Um, and it's, it, 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 it is, it's not only a non-issue, uh, it is, it's part of the big lie against homeschooling. And we have to fight it. We do. And it's, like you say, you are fighting an animal that's never going to back down. Like this, this, uh, the education deep state, as you say. And another thing that I, I try and raise a red flag up to, uh, and you've touched on this with, uh, with some of the things you've been saying about critical race theory and critical gender theory, and the idea that your kids have to go to, again, that they will make the mistake of saying a public school, which that, that needs addressing. Either call it a government or a state school. And they would talk about, well, you know, they have to follow the curriculum. And I try and switch their minds. It's not a curriculum. It's an agenda. And if, yeah. you just, if you just switch these words just a little bit, which they've done, they use this nice word curriculum to hide the fact that it's just an agenda that's being pushed down through the deep state education from the very, very top, whoever that is. And for whatever reason that they're pushing that, uh, and they will drip feed it like, um, like Dewey did when he got back from um, Soviet Russia. And I remember watching a, an interview with uh, Yuri Bezmenov that talked about how uh, the, the Russian education system was seeped into the American one to seed the plants of socialism. And there's a lot of work done by Gatto talking about the Fabian Society that did the same thing, just dripped it slowly, generation after generation to, voila, what do we have today? It's, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's so bad today that I, I, I think the Soviet Union and certainly communist China today or the, 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 the CCP would, would laugh and mock uh, at, at our education system. Uh, of that, I'm sure. I'm sure Lenin and Stalin would look at our education system today and think it's, it's, it's a disgrace. You know, it's, it's a joke, uh, which of course it is, which has always, you know, sort of led me to wonder, 
why it is in the context of today's world that that uh, the Chinese Communist Party is spending, you know, billions, if not trillions of dollars um, on military weapons, uh, presumably uh, for a poten any potential war with the United States, when they don't have to spend a penny. I mean, we're committing we're committing suicide uh, and we're doing it via the government school system. Um, and so it, it's I mean, what we have today is in, in the United, certainly in the United States is just it's it's sheer lunacy. I mean, it's it's gone. It's gone beyond um, what we might call Soviet education or. Uh, yeah, we'll, I'll call it Soviet education. We we are so far beyond that today, um, with the cultural left. I mean, because see, the, the the one thing that that traditional old left communism uh, did not have and would never have uh, had as a part of its curriculum is the postmodern teaching of nihilism. Right, so. Nihilism, I would say, is the single greatest philosophic force, which is which is sort of, I mean, it's at the heart of critical race theory. It's at the heart, certainly, absolutely, of critical gender theory. Um, and, um, and and so, I mean, their primary goal uh, is is ultimately in in the end, it's just destruction. It's what Ayn Rand called hatred of the good for being the good. That's at sort of at the heart of what's happening in the government schools today. And, uh, you know, at, at least Soviet education taught, you know, children in the Soviet Union that they had heroes, right? The heroes were all bad guys, but at least they recognized the idea of, uh, of, of there being heroes. Right in the context of education, you know this postmodern uh, critical studies education today. There, it, it is so egalitarian. I mean, it's it's it, it's egalitarianism is is considerably worse than anything that Marx or Lenin could have ever imagined. The idea is to make everyone the same. Period, and ultimately, that's just a way station for you know what it what it ultimately and you see this particularly in the environmentalist movement it's ultimately what rand called destruction of the hatred of the good for being the good which means destruction of the good for being the good this is why i looked at this whole masking thing in schools through a completely different lens this collectivist idea that we're all the same Literally now we are faceless all the same. And the poor kids that have to wear uniform as well, uh, I, I don't think that's such a sweeping thing in the US. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly across the UK, uh, when we were there, we, we were back in like uh, Christmas time and uh, February, and I'd look out of our Airbnb window and see these drone kids just walking past literally all the same like because they're wearing exactly the same thing the, the the socks have to be the same length the dress the skirts have to be the same length or the trousers and they all have to be the same color it's the uniform and they've all got to wear that specific mask so not only are you making them look the same uniform of one form uh now they're faceless as well 
this collectivist hellhole that's being pushed on them is an agenda. <laughs> There's no other way to. Of course it is. It's an agenda, whether they know it or not. And I mean, part of me wants to say they don't know it because the education establishment, I mean, the people who run it are just so thick. Um, but on the other hand, their motives are malicious enough that I believe they do know what they're doing. And I mean, I, I, that what the point you just made, I think, is fabulous. I mean, you, you are exactly right. I mean, what happens to a generation of children who, who, who have lost the ability first to see the beauty of the human face in others, right? So the, the only human face they get to see is their own in the mirror, which creates a, you know, which creates a kind of narcissism. Uh, and, and, and we are seeing, you know, I mean, the, the current generation of kids coming into college today, uh, you know, are quite narcissistic and I think it's only gonna get worse. But then if, 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 if you can't see a smile or a frown or when somebody is really getting angry. I mean, you, you, there is a kind of social retardation that is, that is taking place in our culture. Um, kids, I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is just to obey. That's the alternative rather than being able to form independent judgments of what other people are thinking, saying, and feeling. You lose that ability and what's left, you have to obey. And then one other thing I wanna say about masks, and this is gonna have horrific consequences, uh, I think, going forward. And that is, I mean, I, the whole masking of children is just beyond idiotic. It's, I mean, it's, it's wicked. And, and I think it has wicked intentions. But imagine what's going to happen to a generation of children who have not been taught to read properly because they and their teachers have been masked. The fact of the matter is the English language is a phonemic language. And you have to learn the sounds, uh, the, the 44 phonemes of the English language. And part of learning the phonemes, uh, and I mean, it, it is both an audio-visual experience. You hear the sound, but, but you also see the way in, in the way in which the lips or the tongue enunciate a particular letter, right? And so if you have a generation of kids who, who, who are not, who cannot see, you know, the mouth, the lips, the tongue of their teacher when he or she is teaching them the phonemes of the, of, of the language, what you are going to have is a kind of cognitive retardation uh, in children. And I, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say it. This is a form of cognitive child abuse. I mean, it's, 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 it's just been, it's been a horror show these last two years. But of course, Bradley, uh, kids are safer there, right? Because it's the weirdo homeschoolers that abuse their kids behind the closed doors of the family home. This is how they spin this narrative. 
and they'll use edge cases and they'll put that front and center in the mainstream media and they'll make sure that everybody's aware. And it's just so insidious. Uh, and it is child abuse. There's no other way to say it when, when you look at it through, through the lens that we, we look through it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's really bad, really, really bad. And now as well, uh, I, another thing that's, uh, I want to address here is, you know, people like yourself and I, as much as we'll rail against the system, people mistake that for us railing against uh, teachers specifically, which is not true because I personally think the teachers are just as stuck in the system as the kids. And you've pointed that out with your education deep state theory, because if that one teacher in that school wants and be- believes and sees that, the, the, this idea of masking the 30 kids in front of him is just deluded. He will still, or she will still not remove the mask because of fear of losing their job, because they know if there's a head teacher walking around or head of department, they, they're going to get hauled up in front of whoever. And then you can't challenge it. And this is why so many mothers that you were talking about earlier, they were going to the school boards and challenging this. You hit a ceiling immediately. Because there's nothing they can do at that level, not not at head teacher level, not at board level, because of the levels above. They've protected themselves so well with these layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy that you can never go up against it. No, that's exactly right. And I would say, in addition to children first and most importantly, and then parents, Uh, I would also say the greatest victims of the education deep state are good teachers. Um, Look, there's nobody in the world who loves and respects teaching more than I do. I mean, it's it's what I do. I've spent my entire life teaching. Now, I yes, okay, I teach at a different level. I'm a university professor, but I've taught high school. But the fact of the matter is, and it's funny because I just I just thought about this recently and, and, and wrote about it. There's never been a, a until well, from the time I was five or six years old, I have never in my entire life not been in school. It's kind of amazing. Um, maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe I should go out and get a real job. Um, but um, no, look, I, I have enormous respect for teaching and for teachers. Um, it's, it's the bet, it's really in many ways, I mean, I think my job is the best job in the world. I mean, what could be better? I get to teach old books to young people. Like it just doesn't get better than that. And, and I think teaching uh, K-12 uh, has enduring uh, uh, pleasures and satisfactions. But the fact of the matter is, there are also a lot of horrible teachers uh, and teachers who have very bad motives. But in that environment, in the current uh, environment of government education, the only teachers who are hurt in the system are the good ones, the ones who are teaching for all the right reasons and the, and the ones who are doing a great job. So then you have to ask the question, well, why are there why are there so many bad teachers? And 
it seems to me that the answer is absolutely clear. And that is with the kind of the qualifications required to be a teacher. So in the United States, in order to be a teacher, you have to have a so-called education degree, uh, which also includes certification by the government or by the state, right? Um, so most teachers in the United States um, have gone, um, they've gone to university, excuse me, they've gone to university um, and they have a so-called education degree from a, 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 an education department or an education college. Um, and so that, which is to say that the government has a monopoly on teacher production, but it's also, it, it's, it's 10 times worse because all of the so-called teacher training institutions or ed schools, as we call them in America, they are all dominated 99.9, .9, if not 100% by the progressive left and by the idea of progressive education. But the fact of the matter is you can't, uh, if you're a principal of a high school, you can't hire whomever you want. You can't hire the, the best teacher, the best person. You have to hire somebody with an education degree. And the travesty of all of this is that these education degrees are non-degrees. They're not on real subjects. I'm sorry, but a course in bulletin board design is not a real course. It does not require you to teach calculus or physics, but that's what our physics and calculus teachers are required to take. Courses in a whole course in how to set an exam or a test, right? And I, I mean, in, in the United States, everybody knows the education colleges are a joke, right? So if you wanted to, if you wanted to reform the, the government schools, and this is a reform I would actually buy into, not so much as a reform to reform the, the schools because I want to abolish them but just because they don't deserve to exist, and that would be to abolish the so-called education schools or abolish the requirement that schools um, uh, only be able to hire so-called licensed or certified teachers. And I think that could be done actually quite, quite easily because nobody, nobody, I mean, even, even like a, a leftist psycho or a physics teacher or a leftist math teacher has any respect for the education schools. So think about it in these terms. What are, the, what, are, what are actually the requirements to be a great classroom teacher? First and most importantly, you have to have a knowledge of the subject. How do you get a knowledge of the subject? Do you get it by taking courses in bulletin board design or do you get it by studying history or physics or mathematics or literature? Well, obviously you get it by studying the subject you're supposed to be teaching. What's the second requirement to be a great teacher? You have to have a, have a, you have to have a love and a passion for the subject that you're teaching. How can you have a love and a passion to teach physics and history or math if you don't have a degree in those subjects? It's, I mean, it's just pure insanity. So, we, we could help restore the profession of teaching if we required um, teachers to be masters of the subject in which they teach, which is to say, you know, to be to uh, when you're in university, 
to um, major in the subject that you might want to teach going forward. And that, I mean, that, that is one reform I, I would, I would, I would gladly accept. I think we'd probably both agree though. That's all part of the agenda. Of course. Yeah, it, it is part of the agenda. And um, the, I mean, these teacher training institutions are connected to the government. I mean, so when I say government education is, is education by and for the state, I mean, who designs the, who designs the, the curriculum, which you rightly call the agenda? I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, well, it's the government. That's who does. Who, who certifies the teachers? The government. Right? Uh, who who um, who runs the schools? The government, right? Who pays for the schools? Well, it's the taxpayer via the government, right? The whole and the whole thing, of course, is reinforced by the government through compulsory attendance laws. Yeah, forced schooling. It, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's forced schooling. So then you have to ask yourself the question. What is the relationship between force and the human mind? And the fact of the matter is the human mind does not operate under force. The human mind operates best with freedom, right? And, and, and um, I mean, the government school system is corrupt, top to bottom, in, out, beginning to end. And it has to go, right? So I, I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned this, this part yet. And this is sort of now getting to sort of the heart and soul of what I really believe, right? So if I'm not a reformist, if I don't, if I do not want to, if I reject the idea of reforming the government school system, well, what's my alternative? Well, it begins with um, the principle I, I, I hold very dear which is I, I'm an advocate of the principle separation of school and state. And I am an advocate of separation of school and state for the very same reason I am a proponent of separation of church and state and for the very same reasons. It's the same issue down the line. It's the same issues. Um, and I mean, look, how many people, including even secular liberals, how many people would want the government to run America's Sunday schools? Nobody, nobody that I know. So if you don't want the government running your school, your Sunday schools, why would you want the government running school Monday through Friday? It, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm a, I'm a proponent of this principle separation of school and state. Um, and then, <clears throat> which means, ergo, um, I, am, I am what I call an abolitionist. That is, I favor abolishing the government school system um, <clears throat> in the same way that uh, William Lloyd Garrison in the night in the 1830s advocated abolishing slavery. I am, I am an abolitionist. And in the context of today's world, I, I consider the government school system 
to be the most immoral institution that exists um, wherever it exists. It's, a, it's an immoral institution. It's, it, 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 another beautiful kind of sleight of hand they've pulled is they try to make you believe that it is a place for people to go to become good citizens, to become democratic people of the community. So once left, left school, they're a well-rounded individual and they can go out into, uh, into this democratic world. How could that ever be possible in a, in a scenario where for 12 to 15 years you are in a totalitarian, top-down, authoritarian dictatorship known as school, yeah. where you have no voice and you have no freedom and you have no choice. That, that again, that they make you think you have a choice, especially like in the UK system or here in the French system, you, you hit a certain age, 13, 14, whatever it might be, and then you get to choose your GCSE or your uh, baccalaureate. There's no choice. There's absolutely no choice there. There's a little bit of guidance, uh, but basically it's it's all the same and it's you know free the kids at the end of the day like yeah you're an abol uh, abolish it uh, say the word uh i can't say it. abolish <laughs> i'm an abolitionist 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 yeah free the kids yeah exactly free free the kids and look i have a number of conservative friends um who are reformists they want to reform the government school system and they have this bizarre idea that they can actually do it, which is, I mean, you know, the, these are literally friends of mine. And, and sometimes you have to question the sanity of your own friends because it's impossible. You cannot, it's period. It cannot be reformed. Even when Republicans and conservatives hold the reins of government, either at the state level or at the federal level. Uh, it only gets worse. And they never do anything that makes any difference that, that isn't eventually captured by the left, right? That, all, that always, always happens. Um, but they think, right, that if, you know, if they can have just 50 years of conservative Republican control of all levels of government, that, that the government school system can be reformed and that, that the real purpose of government schooling is as you suggested a, a, a few minutes ago, to educate children to be good citizens of a free society. But that is absurd on its face. So in other words, we're going to violate the rights of individuals in order to teach them how to respect the rights of individuals in a free society. I mean, the whole thing is based on a contradiction. And there, in, in, in a truly free society, right, there is no right to violate rights. But the government school system is based on the violation of individual rights, compulsory <laughs> attendance laws, taxation. And then the whole education deep state uses indirect force to require children to learn a state mandated education. 
right? So even under the best circumstances, right? So so let's 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 say, for instance, that all of my friends were running the government schools, and let's say you could reform the government schools. In fact, let's say that you could give that you could have in every school in America the kind of education that I initially wanted for my children, which was a classical education. Let's say that I could wave my magic wand and make that happen. I would still be opposed to the government school system because they are because they violate the principle of separation of school and state. So go ahead and make them all better. I'm still opposed to them, but you'll never make them better. But that cannot that cannot be done um, in a million years. So therefore, we have to be abolitionists. And But to be an abolitionist, however, does not mean that you have to torch the whole damn thing. It just means you have to do something. It's, 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 it's a Gandhi, Gandhi-esque approach, namely, just walk away. We need to build parallel systems. Build, the, exactly right. The, exactly and this, right. This, this idea of homeschooling is the perfect parallel system. And it's nonviolent and it's community driven, as you've so well pointed out. And it is a, it's freedom of choice. And it's uh, democratically chosen. The kids that all get together of different ages. I see it with my kids and some will run off and play football and some will go over there and do pottery and some will do art because that's what they want to do. Uh, and if they're, if, for example, uh, the, the majority of the group say, can we get a specific person in to teach us what's going on right now? Pottery, sure, done. We, you, you know, the, it's amazing. Humans can self-organize. You know, you yeah, don't exactly. need someone. You don't exactly. need someone exactly. telling by, you what to do. Yeah. And, and by the way, and this is really important because there is an implicit racism involved in the critics of homeschooling or in the critics of free market education. Um, because underlying all of all of their arguments against uh, free market education is the lurking suspicion, right, that some parents won't be won't educate their children, right? But when they say some parents won't educate their children, in the context of the United States, who do they mean? They almost always mean. Um, uh, low-income African-Americans. And that, so at the heart of their opposition is racism, right? Because somehow they think that, Amer that African-American parents don't love their children just as much as white parents love their children. That is a lie. I see it all the time. Um, and you only have to see I would, I would recommend to your, your listening audience that they watch two documentaries. One is called The Lottery and the other one I think is called Waiting for Superman. They're about the, lot, the, the charter school lottery system in New York City, both of them. And they're fabulous documentaries uh, and they're heartbreaking to see tens of thousands of low income uh, people in New York. And really, honestly, it's, it's not New York City, uh, per se, uh, or it's not Ma Manhattan, it's Harlem. Both documentaries are set in Harlem, which means that, you know, it's 90% African-American and, 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 and low-income African-American. And what you will see 
is how desperate these parents are to get their kids out of the government school system and into a charter school and the devastation that is wreaked on them when uh, or if their children are not accepted, if they don't win the lottery, right? So it's just it, it's just the, the whole the whole thing. And of course, the, 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 I guess the last thing I'll say on this, do you know what the fastest growing um, demographic is in the homeschooling world today? It's African-Americans, right? It's exploded. Homeschooling in the African-American community in the United States has exploded. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's fabulous. It's wonderful to see. Um, and of course, homeschooling in general. Um, I mean, when my wife and I home started homeschooling in 1999, oh, probably less than 2% of all kids were homeschooled in the United States. Today, it's 11%. 11% of all kids being homeschooled, that's a lot of kids. Now we'll see what happens a couple of years after the end of the COVID lockdowns. Because um, a lot of a lot of the, that increase in the number of homeschoolers was a result of the COVID lockdowns. Um, but you know, my own view is that uh, once you go homeschooling, you you never go back. Right, exactly. And this is like even more hard hitting coming from someone like yourself who is a a teacher, a university teacher. What's um, what do you? When you talk to your peer group about this uh, at the university, the other teachers, are you like, are you avoided in in the in the staff room meetings? <laughs> like, here's that crazy <laughs> lunatic again, like uh, talking about homeschooling. How do they view you? Because it's kind of the the way to to you know give you an analogy. Uh, I, I spent my career in in foreign exchange markets, and and now I am a firm advocate of Bitcoin, as you know. Uh, so the guys I used to work with just think I'm this crazy dude that's like lost his mind. Like, what are you doing? Uh, that I, I'm, I'm assuming you must face some of this as well. All right. So that's very interesting. So what I would say is that you right now in your career is where homeschooling was in the 1990s. That is your Bitcoin 1.0. Um, and, and as I, you know, I said earlier in our conversation, when my wife and I started in 1999, we were at the tipping point between homeschooling 1.0 and homeschooling 2.0. And so the, the year we started homeschooling, and I remember this as clear as day, you know, when you meet new people, the first question they ask is, where do your kids go to school? And, you know, we would always say, well, they don't go to school, they homeschool. And then at best, you get a kind of a skeptical look, if sometimes a look of disgust. Mm -hmm. But within two or three years, this is very interesting. I would say eight times out of 10, when we were asked, where do your kids go to school? And we would say they don't, we homeschool their response was not one of skepticism. The response was as follows. They would give an excuse as to why they don't homeschool, right? Yep. And today, I, I'm sure it's, it's like virtually everybody, 
when that conversation comes up, they will give you an excuse as to why they don't, right? And that tells you all you need to know about how far homeschooling has come, you know, over the course of the last 25 or 30 years. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. And the number, I mean, the number of people that I meet today who say, that they that they want to homeschool or that they would if they could uh, is is astounding, right? Mm-hmm. The the normalization of homeschooling uh, culturally um, has I, I think it's come about full face and um, you know the, the numbers of people who are homeschooling has exploded and the number who want to has exploded. Uh, as well. And they just haven't yet pulled the trigger. So I've got some questions about books because the reader, uh, the readers, the listeners are very much deep into um, learning about history, uh, whether that's uh, philosophy, whether that's any kind of history, monetary history in particular. What, um, first of all, what, what books throughout your this is this is always a big red flag to me. What books have been banned uh, from schools in the U.S. Uh, that you're aware of, say over the last five to ten years? Oh, that's a good question. So I don't, you know, I I haven't been following that stuff much um, lately. Um, you know, beginning in the '90s, the '80s, the '90s, you know, you were starting to get you know, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer banned. Um, you were, um, Why was that? What, what, what was the reason they were being banned, in particular those books? Because of the use of the, the N-word. Right. That was it. It was, it was, it, that, that was it. Um, and, and, you know, now you're, it's, it's gone beyond, you know, books um, that, that, use anachronistic words um and, and and certainly if you include colleges i mean basically the there's an attempt now to eradicate the entire what's what we call the canon right the the, the so-called great books tradition um you know plato plato to 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 the present and 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 so I mean, in certain ways, it's even worse. The book—it's not even that the books are being banned. People are choosing not to use or read these books anymore, mm-hmm. and so there's enormous social pressure put on both teachers and faculty uh, to to uh, throw away, throw out um, all of the great classics in philosophy and literature. Um, you certainly see that at the university level today. What's being chosen then? If if young bright minds are coming to university to study under you and uh, you know some some other professors, what books are they? You know, what's driving their choices? Well, it's that's a good and a hard question to answer. It's hard to know because I'm not even sure that they're being asked to read books anymore, right? So you know, in high school literature classes, I mean, this is not universally true, but in, in, in high school classes, you know, they don't read great, great literature anymore. I mean, the best, the, the, you know, the, the highest level of literature that they read today in high school is, you know, Catcher in the Rye. 
you know, I mean, which is which is second rate literature for even uh, seventh graders, right? But in high school, um, particularly in the government schools, are are they reading? Are they reading? Whereas they whereas they would have fifty years ago, without question. Are they reading Jane Austen? Are they reading Dickens? Are they reading Dostoevsky? No, they're not um, uh, at, at all. They're, and you know, it, it's it, it, it's really just sort of this third-rate literature. Um, I mean, almost all of it published in the post-World War II era, and really, to be honest, most of it published just in the last thirty years. And it's let, let's take the literature part. You know, the, these are third-rate novels at best that really just focus on issues of social justice. Uh, and now, I mean, obviously the big thing is uh, the transgender issue um, in, in the United States. So, right, one of the, one of the big battles that's taking place in, 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 the, in the government schools, right, is whether, you know, kindergarten, children in kindergarten should be required, which means forced, to read books like Heather Has Two Mommies or The Lawn Boy. I mean, uh, and there's one book in particular that seems now to be in the library of every government school in America, which is, there's no other way to describe it other than as pornography. I mean, literally pornography. Um, as in with, with sketches, pornography, right? The, the, kind of, the kind of pornography that you would see, that, that you wouldn't even see in Playboy or whatever is out there. Um, I mean, and, and pedophilic as well, right? So the, the, I'm not, I'm not uh, I, I wish I were, but I'm not making this up. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the book, the children's book that is, mo that is being most discussed around the country right now in school board meetings. So what you have, right, are all of these outraged mama bears mm -hmm. who are going to school board meetings and reading out loud to the school board the books that are being used in classrooms or that are in the school libraries. And they're reading these, these books out loud. And it's, of course, the whole thing is being filmed. And they are so pornographic that the school board members, the people who ordered the damn book, cannot bear, cannot stand to have it being read. And they cut these people off at the mic. These domestic terrorists, right? The mothers. Yeah, that's 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 right. And and you know, um, it's uh, you know, when I earlier described what's happening as a form of cognitive pedophilia, uh, I mean, I mean, this is what we're talking about. They're they're raping our children of their moral innocence. And like you, you want to like that's not. That's an agenda, not curriculum, right? This is what we're getting back to this point again. And what is the agenda there? Like, why would they want to do that? Why is this being pushed through? Yeah, it's... What's coming? This, this, this is what's scary, right? What, what's coming? If this is happening now, what, what comes in the next five to 10 years? Man, that's, all, yeah, that's very worrying. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, it's like, believe me, if I were to show you um, 
one of these books, it would make a grown man blush. They're trying to normalize pedophilia, I would imagine. Just no, that that is what it that's that is exactly what it is. Get your kids out of school, guys. <laughs> Man, what a bombshell. I didn't know that was going on. Yeah, sorry to ruin your day. Yeah. Well, these are these are important conversations, though, right? Because most people aren't willing to have them. No, that's 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 exactly right, and you know that that's that's why um, you know at the very beginning of our conversation, when your daughter asked the question, you know, asked uh, you know the socialization question, the only example I gave was bullying. Um, because I wasn't going to say anything, any, anything more than just that. Mm. Um, but there's a lot more to say about the negative socialization that takes place in the government schools. And uh, what we've just talked about now is the worst current example of what's happening, right? And the worst current example, neither you nor I could have imagined even 10 years ago. And now it's the reality. And, and the question, excuse me, the question is, and it's, it's now completely normalized in, in America's schools. And, and by the way, not just, and this is important to note, it's not just the private, it's not just the government schools. Some of the most elite private schools in the United States are worse than the government schools on, on, this, on this count, right? On the, what you call the agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're just as bad or worse. Than, than the government schools. And, um, and there's um, a, a wonderful uh, organization uh, of mothers. I think, I think they go by Underground Mothers and you can find them on Twitter. Uh, and they have done a phenomenal job of exposing um, what's happening in, in, the, in the most elite private schools. Uh, and they, they've, done a, they've done a phenomenal job. Okay, I'm going to make a note of that. I already have. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, and and back to the, I, I love the way that we've done this full circle back to socialization. You know, FUD number one about homeschooling. Uh, you know, this is something I want listeners to understand. When you send your kids to school under the guise of I'm sending my kids to school so they can socialize, what you're actually doing is you're sending them to school so they can be socialized. And that is yeah. part of the deep state education i mean they're they're being socialized for a particular uh political purpose but they're also being socialized in a kind of moral nihilism Mm. right so it's it's not simply education by and for the state but it's also i mean the current form that we see in the schools today is dominated by nihilism moral nihilism it's to break down uh, all traditional moral, cultural norms and mores, right? <clears throat> and of course, where, where do those norms and mores come from? Most importantly, they come from the family, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. And <clears throat> which is one of the reasons why in the government schools, 
um, they're, I mean, not only are they trying to separate or disassociate children from their parents, but they're even trying to disassociate mothers from fathers. Yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is part of a, of a larger nihilistic agenda, the purpose of which is to destroy all of the traditional norms and manners and mores uh, on, on which not only Western civilization is based, but any civilization, right? But, but I can assure you, I mean, what is being taught in, in the schools today in the Western world is not being taught, um, you know, in, in communist China. I mean, which is, again, if you think about it, it's really just remarkable. Uh, and, and it's, 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 I mean, this is the source, uh, in my view of the ultimate decline and fall, um, of the West. And it's the decline and fall is not coming from the outside. It's not coming from our geopolitical enemies. It's a form of cultural suicide. And the only people who can fix it are you and me. By walking away. By walking away, exactly. And building parallel structures. That is what we are here to do. And that's that those points will hit home very hard, Brad, with, with the audience, um, because that's what we see Bitcoin as, uh, a parallel structure to the financial system, which is a totalitarian authoritarian dictatorship that is manip manipulated uh for for their own good um to, to it turns us all into serfs uh, and slaves and if we're uneducated at the same time it's just easier and uh it's um yeah it's 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 amazing how much of these two subjects cross over each other and it's uh really needs more and more in-depth exploration. So I appreciate uh, you giving up the time. I see we've been going for just over an hour and a half. So um, I won't keep you much longer, but uh, is there anything, um, first of all, let, let's make sure people can come and find your work because you've been doing a lot of writing. Um, where can people come and find you and, and interact with you? Right. So the most important place would be my Substack. Um, which you can find online uh, at uh, all one word, cbradleythompson.substack.com. That's cbradleythompson.substack.com. I am on Substack. Um, my, 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 my Substack name is, and this is the other way you can find me. I'm the redneck intellectual. <laughs> Love it. So you can either just use the, uh, See bradleythompson.substack.com URL or just Google the redneck intellectual. And um, I, I have been now for almost half a year, been putting up at least one essay, well, been putting up one essay per week, pretty you know, lengthy essays uh, on education. I did a 10-part series on the issue of education and rights, trying to ask ultimately the question, is there a right to an education? And if so, what does it look like? Um, and then right now I'm, um, I'm six or seven essays into a new series on the nature of government schooling uh, and why it has to be, why it has to be opposed. 
Um, so those are the major essays uh, that that you can find. I mean, I've over the course of the last couple of years, I've written on a lot of different subjects, but right now uh, I'm doing a lot on education. So they can find me there. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the other place would be my website uh, or my blog, um, and that is edwatchdaily.com. And that's all one word, edwatchdaily.com. Perfect. And on Twitter as well, the um, the title will have your Twitter handle in there so people can follow you and, and check out your work and perhaps DM you if they've got any further thoughts or questions or anything to add to this discussion just to keep this going forward and uh, inspire your writing you know, even further because the more people we can reach, the better. This is um, an important subject, uh, especially for young people that are building families or have young kids that are thinking about going to school we just put a great big another box of uh you know decision making on your table because there is there is another way and it's uh, it's already here and it's um it's built and there are people out there in that community that you can find out and learn more from so bradley thanks so much for coming on i really appreciate it daniel thank you very much for having me and and thank your daughter i i loved her questions um they were really smart Thanks so much. See you later. Have a great day. Yeah, cheers. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Bradley, for giving up the time to come on and talk about everything that we discussed there. Deep state education. That weird bit at the end where you you kind of floored me. Uh, I I have seen that video now that you've referenced where the, uh, the lady gets shut down from speaking with the board about this very important topic it's crazy i cannot believe it i did retweet it around so if you guys want to scroll through uh, i'm sure you'll find it somewhere or find it on youtube it's 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 really shocking uh yeah things to remember you know it's not public education it's state education it's not a curriculum it's an agenda get thinking put your thinking caps on have these discussions with other homeschooling families more importantly, have these discussions with your spouse. Uh, reach out to those people in the community, like Bradley. Check out his writing. Uh, everybody is very helpful, very much like the Bitcoin community. When it comes to this, very helpful to guide families, you know, behind them down this rabbit hole. It's um, it's very rewarding as well. Once you uh, once you start peeling back the onion and realizing there's a hell of a lot of stuff we've been lied to about. Not just in the finance realms, but also in the uh, the education realms. Uh, that said, make sure if you're going to FOMO into the conference in Miami, make sure you get your ticket with a discount. Bitten at checkout will get you 10% off all tickets and multiple ticket buys. If there's a group of you decided, right, let's do it. Let's go use that 10% discount across all of that. Make sure you're stacking your sats. You can use swanbitcoin.com. You can use Relay across Europe. You can also use uh, Coin Corner, the exchange in the Isle of Man. They serve Europe and UK plebs. Make sure you are, please, taking control of your coins. Use the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It's a bit Bitcoin-only hardware wallet, so it all goes straight on there, and it's nice and safe. Top, top quality piece of kit. Uh, check out BitcoinDay.io if you're in the States because they're going to be touring around small venues doing really cool things, Bitcoin-only conferences. 
Uh, Bitcoin Reserve as well across Europe. You can stack with those guys up to a thousand a day on your card, or you can sit down with them and have a phone call, white glove service, if you're putting on big size, which some of your friends might be, or some of your parents, whoever you're orange pilling. So let's go. Have a great uh, weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you on the next one.